Hello, you're listening to Five Years Time, the podcast. I'm Darcy. And I'm Harry. And that in the background is Clemmy. Clemmy eating a hanger. <laughs> you okay today, darling? Yeah, I'm very, very well. How are you? I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ready on this Monday morning. It's Valentine's Day, the day of love. Oh, it is Valentine's Day, yeah. Try and pretend it's Valentine's Day. Harry. <laughs> There she goes again. Yep. Don't spoil the illusion. Happy Valentine's Day, babe. And to you. So lucky to have you. This week, we have such a lovely guest who, throughout the episode, is extremely open and honest about the struggles that he's been through. And we think that some of those may be slightly triggering for some people. So we just wanted to give a little warning that we do discuss sensitive topics within the episode, but they are handled with care and there is a very happy and positive ending. There is. Our guest today, as Darcy mentioned, has been through a lot, but recently came out the other end and has written a children's book. Yeah. Based on his very little friend, not very little actually. No, he's quite big actually. Yeah, he is. Very big friend, <laughs> Howard the dog, who he credits for saving his life. So today's guest is... How about you do the drum roll? Mark Taylor. So as we were saying, Mark has recently written a children's book called Howard of Pawsland, and it is a lovely little book that we've actually read. It is. We even read though it. it's aimed at children. We actually read it as a bedtime story. We, we did read it as a bedtime story. Okay. The book is actually aimed at children between three and seven years old, um, and he has actually also been signed for a six-book deal, and so there'll be plenty more of Howard of Pawsland to follow. Very exciting. In this episode, Mark discusses with us the events that led him to his darkest moments, but also the ones that followed and led to some of his happiest. We hear all about the brilliant Howard and the power of a dog's unconditional love. So here we go. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Very good. good. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really looking forward to finding out a bit about you and your your new venture of writing children's books and all the stories of Howard. It all sounds super fascinating. If you don't mind, we'd quite like to jump back a little bit and kind of find out what led you to now, how you got here, and maybe starting at your childhood. Were you always interested in writing? Were you academic? Or did you have completely other plans growing up as to what you wanted to do with your life? Yeah, that's a good question. When I was younger, I probably, like most children, wanted to be a footballer because we had football in the family. So um, my brother was quite a good footballer. So, But it was quite clear as I was getting older that I was never going to make the standard that I wanted. And, uh, and strangely, even as a child, you know, I thought to myself, if I can't become the best at something or as a footballer, then I'm not going to really. really? I, I wasn't prepared. To, yeah, because I, I think my brother was so much better than me that I thought I'm not going to reach his standard. So I spent half my childhood following him around and then, strangely enough, ended up playing cricket. Not a great standard, but okay standard, you know. Silly, really, because, you know, all my friends were quite happy just to play for the village and play for the so-and-so, and I could understand that. But for me, it was, you know. And then later on, strangely enough, later on, I I started going into management of doing football. And and I had a bad accident when I was at work one day and uh, I fell from three floors up cracked my skull and broke some bones in my back and a woman and a woman was walking walking to work sounds crazy it's another mad story in my life but a woman was walking to work at uh, quarter past six in the morning to a Sainsbury's and she was their um first aid lady and she turned me over 
cleared the blood from me and um, saved my life, basically. Before you got to that point, had had writing been a part of your life as you were growing up or not really? Not, not really. But, you know, I was always interested in, um, I was always writing things down, you know, little things and observations and stuff, you know. And I, then I started writing some poems and stuff when I was younger and stuff like that. And my mum did as well. Oh. So it, it, there was always a, you know, but my friends used to always say I was a bit mad at school and that because I'd write stuff that was, you know, they'd say, where do you think of stuff like that? And I was like, I don't know, really. But <laughs> So you've always had kind of a creative mind, yeah, I guess. Like yeah, a little bit imaginative. Yeah, yeah. mind, I think. Yeah, I think that was always there, waiting to be, you know, used in another way. And I guess this was the, this was the calling. So then you pursued football management. Is that where your career took you? No, I did. I, I did go into local sort of management and then I was offered a, a job in my town team to run that. And I was still quite a young age. And it was in those days, that was quite young to be offered a sort of town side, uh, you know, in management. And then I had the accident and then that was that. And I never went back to it. And that, that caused, do you know, when I look back now, that probably was the start of like some sort of anxiety in me from that accident. Yeah. That, that led that led on later in life and would never have gone away from me from that accident because really? when you come so close I remember waking up in the back of the ambulance and I remember being able to move my feet and I, I, I remember it as clear as anything and I said to the ambulance driver look I can move my legs and he said look, don't worry about your legs just keep your head still and I thought my head you know what's going on and I put my hand at the back of my head and it was all swollen right up you know and I could feel oh, wow. the difference and I think that always, you know, that always stuck with me because I just had our son then and uh, so my son wasn't very old. And I was remember saying to the ambulance driver, look, I said, don't let me die. I said, oh, Christmas is coming. I want to be here for my son. Mm-hmm. I imagine that was a really a long recovery process then from an accident yeah. like that. Yeah, it was, it was a long recovery process because at the time I was working with a friend of mine doing office cleaning and window cleaning business. And that's what I was doing up the ladder and, and the ladder just snapped. Oh. And in those days, in those days, you use wooden ladders. Nowadays, of course, that wouldn't happen. No. But it turns out one in so many hundred thousand wooden ladders have, can have a fault running through them. And I just happened to pick one of them, I guess. But no, exactly. What do you think got you through that, Mark? Like, how did you push through that recovery process? Was there something that you, I don't know, a particular person or something that you would tell yourself that helped you get over that horrific accident? My son, being around oh. for my son. Yeah, that was it. That was it. I always kept thinking that, you know, I want to see my son grow up because me and my partner at that time, we'd finished, you know, we were apart. So everything in my life surrounded around my son. So it, was, so it was my son that really kept me going, you know. And what did yeah. you do once you had recovered? Did you find a new career path and how, how did that go? It's strange. Yeah, I kind of... Um, I got into a, in, in a new relationship and everything, and um, then I decided that I used to play. I used to play quite a lot of cricket, mm. and um, I, as well. And I thought, mm, what could I do? You know, with cricket, I was gone past the stage of playing serious cricket. You know, it was quite. You know, I got a bit older, and I was a bowler, so I was slowing down a bit and stuff. And uh, I thought, mm, there's some lovely cricket grounds that I've seen in my life. And I've never been able to play on them because I've been in different leagues or something like that. You know, but I'm talking like pretty village cricket ground, you know, mm-hmm. some of the most gorgeous ones you could imagine. And I thought, well, if I start up a charity team and we raise money for local good causes or something, we could ask all these beautiful villages if we could come and play them on Sunday. And then I could start this charity team up. So um, so I was sitting in a living room with the girl that night and uh, I said, look, I want to start this up. And she said, okay. 
I said, but I don't know what to call it. And she just went, how's that? And I said, oh, perfect. <laughs> I said, I love Tommy. I said, I love Tommy Cooper. So I said, Tommy Cooper used to do a trick and always go, how's that at the end of it? <laughs> and I said, in cricket, of course, they shout, how's that when someone's yeah. out or what? So that was the name of the club. So it was named How's That Cricket Club. About 17 years, I think I finished. What? I've left the club. It's still going. What sort of charities were you raising money for? Everything from um, cancer research to you name it, we've done it to food banks. Every year we gave money to a different cause. And we've been doing that for the last 17 years. Wow, that must have been such a rewarding experience. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant to be able to do something that you enjoy and get all these guys together that knew what they were doing it for, but just laughing. You know, we had so much fun mm -hmm. going on cricket tours and um, just laughing all the time. We, I wrote, I started writing a cricket book and that was when, just again, that was just after the breakdown. I thought if I start writing a cricket book, it might help me because I decided I couldn't play anymore. And um, Annette got Howard and that's a bit later in the story. If you were doing that for 17 years, that's obviously a really long time. Do you perhaps have a highlight of that experience? One special memory that stands out for you? Uh, there is one thing, actually. Right at the end of the cricket, we um, I come from a town called Farnham in Surrey. Mm. And there's a castle in Farnham. And uh, right next to the castle is a cricket ground. To play for Farnham years ago, you had to be quite very good at cricket or you had to know somebody to get yeah. you on that ground. And um, I was lucky enough to know um, Jeff Thorpe and his son Graham Thorpe was England captain for a long time at cricket. Oh, so really? I said to Jeff, Jeff, I'm thinking of packing up playing myself. Do you mind if my last game is played at Farnham's ground where I come from? And I know my dad played there when he was a child. And he said, no, I'll sort it for you, Mark. So we played there. And I remember um, the very last game walking off and they gave me a guard of honour right the way out from the square. And then that was very, that was probably one of the highlights, although it was the end for me playing, but it was emotional because, you know, all those years of fun and raising money, like you say, for good causes and that. Yeah. You yeah, feel like you've done something worthwhile, you know? Mm. So obviously this sounds, it obviously sounds like it was very well run. Yeah, mm. it was. It was well run. We had a good committee of people, but I think people, with, especially when you're doing it for good causes, a lot of people just buy into the whole thing, you know, mm -hmm. their free time and, we, we had so many donations down the years from people, tickets to Old Trafford, tickets to so-and-so, tickets to um, Glastonbury given to us, to which we auctioned off and stuff like that. So people, you know, I like to, I think most people are good people. No, I'm definitely with you there. Me too. And while you were doing the, the, the charity cricket events, were you, were you working as well alongside or was, was that full time? Yeah, I was working and um, took up a lot of time. You know, that frustrated the partner a little bit because, Mm -hmm. I was forever at meetings or doing something. So, you know, things were to change. It's a couple of years ago now. So so could you tell us a bit a bit about that, Mark? What happened in your life when you had these, these changes? I mean, we've heard a little bit that your mum got a bit ill and that you had a new job that was quite stressful. Yeah, well, what happened was, you know, I'm in my 50s now. Me and my friend have been working together for a long time with the business, you know. And um, I decided that, you know, I wanted to take it not a little bit more easy, but physically a little bit more easy, you know. Mm. And I, I was offered a job in sales. You know, it sounded okay. Most things do, you know, like that. It was, a, you know, I pretty much knew the business as such. And I said, yeah, I'm prepared to take that one. And um, my mum had dementia, early dementia, but she was living at home and a carer would come in three times a day. So they'd come in in the morning, help her with her tablets, maybe a bit of breakfast, same thing, lunchtime, evening, you know, you get the idea. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden she had a fall and she broke her hip. 
took her into hospital and gave her a hip replacement. And then the first week she was allowed back home, she had what they call a hematoma in her leg. And then it gets to a point where actually there's nothing else you can do but to cut the leg to release it. So she was rushed off to hospital in Slough where they'd done that. And, of course, she was very confused anyway because of her dementia. So this was yeah. actually making it worse. And they sent her back from Slough. And although it wasn't great and then the leg was all bandaged up, we thought, well, you know, we'll be able to get her back up on her feet and we'll get her with a frame because she'd had a new hip. She still hadn't started walking then. So it was a case of just very slowly. We got her up onto her feet with a frame. She was doing a couple of steps. Same thing happened to the other leg. Took her back. She hasn't been out of bed since. Aww. And, well, she'll never be able to be out of bed now from now on. And, uh, and her dementia's got worse, you know. And um, I was coping with a new job in sales, which then brought on different pressures, which you don't actually visualise at the time when you first take it, how much pressure you're under to reach mm -hmm. targets that you are. I think driven probably extensively through my mum's illness as well, because I was having to rush backwards and forwards to my mum's to try and get care sorted. You have to go through all sorts of systems to be able to keep my yeah. mum at home. So the, the build-up of the two things was getting worse and worse and worse. And I knew, this is the strange thing, I knew that I was going into a dark place and I wasn't coping, but I did the worst thing possible. And, and, and I suppose to do that. I buried my head in the sand. Was it yeah. just feelings that you'd never had before that was kind of making you aware of this? Yeah, there were. Um, I knew I wasn't coping at all, you know, and the anxiety was going through the roof. And again, I, and I go back to earlier when I said an accident many years ago and I suffered anxiety after that. I think that just sort of um, got worse, to be mm -hmm. honest. And, th and this, to me, probably proves that, yeah, I was suffering with a lot of anxiety from that earlier fall that I had. And, um, and I think that, that, that made things worse. But when, you know, we, you should talk. You know, I keep saying yeah, this to people and friends now. It's the most important thing. And you know what? You could just talk to a family friend. You could talk to one of your family, of course. You could pick up a phone and speak to Calm or Mind or the Samaritans or 111 even and just say, look, I'm in a bad place. I need to talk to someone. I should have done that. But I'd never, possibly I've never been in that position before. And I was of an age, I guess, where you kind of just carried on or you should, you know, you, you, what's up with your man up, you know, why aren't you coping? Yeah, I think that's only recently just changed, especially for yeah. men, like you say, that there's a massive movement now, but for so long it was kind of just shunned, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, would, I, don't, I think if I'd talked definitely to my partner before it got this far, it would never have happened. We wouldn't have got down this road. It would, you know, it, it wouldn't have happened. How did these kind of negative feelings progress for you and, and where did that take you? I kept thinking that nothing was going to get, get any better, that nothing would be right. You know, I, I hit a couple of brick walls with mum's care needs. And um, when you get a couple of kickbacks when you're feeling in that position as well, and then the next day you go into work and then someone says to you, well, you know, what are you doing wrong? You're not hitting this target, you know, all yeah. got too much. You know, yeah. and um, that headed me down to, I decided that what I would do is I would take the car into an area that no one would find me and I'd drive the car straight into a wall, which I'd already knew what I was going to do. I'd been there and seen where I was going to go yeah. and I was going to take my own life, which in a way, you know, even now, look, listen, when I talk about it now, I think to myself, that's the most selfish thing you could have done. You, you, I may not have killed myself. I may have ended up paralysed. That would have left my 
my partner and everybody else to cope with me and, and then would have been an even bigger state of depression. But do you know what? It's so nice that you have those thoughts now because it, you're kind of thinking so rationally, whereas in a time where you're in such a dark place, rational thoughts aren't there. And, you know, that's not your fault. You're not being selfish. It's just no, exactly. the way your your mind is working and the chemicals in your body at that time. So I, I don't think you should think it's selfish, but it's so nice to hear that now, you know, you have those completely rational thoughts and it all seems much clearer to you. That's a really good point because you don't really think rationally, you know, mm-hmm. you don't think rationally. And, if, and, and, you know, a friend of mine found me just by chance, a postman. I went to school with him, you know, and he, yeah. was, he was out of his area. He never normally does that area. And he came down and saw the car and uh, he tapped on the window and I was le- had my head over the steering wheel. And he said to me, what are you doing? What are you doing out here? And I said, oh, you know, I've not been too good recently. And I never told him, never told him until four months later what I was going to do. But he said to me, something's not right. He said, no, if you go home now, he said, or oh, I'm phoning and that up, but he said, I'm going to make sure someone come and picks you up. But he said, you get in the car, you go home. Isn't that just amazing, that yeah, divine timing to have found you at that precise moment? Yeah, definitely. Just, and how do you feel when you look back on that now and the fact that, you know, he just got there just in time? That must be quite an overwhelming thought. Well, we had a long conversation, funny enough, last week, me and him about it, you know, because he, I did tell him, obviously, as I say, um, a long time after, I feel lucky, actually. I feel blessed, really. I feel like I've got a second chance, you know, and I was given that by, you know, someone didn't want me to go, you know, someone up there was looking down at me. So I'm a lucky guy. You know, I'm lucky I've got friends like someone like him as well, you know. It's amazing to hear that someone that was struggling so badly, you know, to the stage where you were having these thoughts is now able to say that, you know, you are a lucky guy because I bet back then you wouldn't have thought if someone told you that you would be in this position now and saying that you're actually a lucky guy that you would get to this day. no no i mean it's the maddest thing my partner is the, mo- is the most beautiful loving person that you'll ever wish to meet in your life so to think that you were going to go down that route and leave her to deal with everything as well you know that's just crazy because i didn't talk just because yeah. i didn't talk yeah so what did the aftermath of that event look like for you, Mark? Because it must have been a very overwhelming experience. Were you then able to open up to your family members? And was it kind of a, a quick recovery or did that take quite a long time? No, the recovery took taken a long time, I think. And the anxiety is still there. There's still a lot of anxiety to live, live with you at times. And that's always saying to me, calm down and don't worry. Yeah, it took me a little while really to come to terms with everything, I think. But Annette was the main helper in that you know i mean what happens is you know you do something else you do which blokes don't normally do you cry together you know mm-hmm. we'd wake up in the middle of the night and i'd be crying my eyes out you know Mm-mm. and she'd be like you know and i'd say i can't believe why i didn't talk to you you know and then and that was sad to be like right the job you give the job up straight away that's that we're taking yeah. that out of the equation we can survive and i'm going yeah but we've got this to pay we've got that to pay you know she's like i don't care give the job mm-hmm. up you know? some things are just more important than money aren't yeah. they yeah we kept it, you know, to ourselves really for a long time, you know, before we opened up to the children or anything else. And and actually till the book came out and stuff, my brother had no idea. And lots oh. of my friends didn't. And they've listened to interviews and said, I can't believe that you didn't speak to us. What's kind of their response been towards you? Like, are you almost kind of shocked that you didn't open up before by their response and how warm? And- yeah, their response is more shock. And my response is... Yeah, what a fool. Why didn't I speak to you, you know? Mm. Why didn't I speak to you? Because they're friends I've been friends with for 25, 30 years, you know. And, you know, I played cricket with football with them. I've known them for years. 
you know, people yeah. I've worked with, you know, didn't speak to. So, yeah, you do. You feel a bit silly, really, because, you know, that, and that's their first words. You fool, why didn't you speak to us? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, but you don't, you've got to understand where I was. Yeah. You know, I didn't speak to anybody. I didn't speak to the most important person in my life, my partner and that. You know, I didn't speak to her. I think there's this thing, isn't it? We take so much care of our physical health. If you can see it, it's, you know, so easy to diagnose mm. or treat. Whereas when it's internal, it's almost like it's not there. It's not yeah. happening, but it's just as equally as important. I couldn't agree more. So that was where we got to with, you know, after everything that happened um, when I had the breakdown and then the healing process started. And of course, Annette took me to the GP, you know, and the GP offered to put me on this, that and the other, which I have to say I turned down apart from blood pressure tablets, believe it or not. I was, I felt that I could pretty much with the help of the family and with Annette, you know, we could get through this together. Yeah. And um, Annette decided in her wisdom that we would get a pup. Because we had had two dogs before and they're bearded collies. So if you don't know oh. what a bearded collie is, they're like an English sheepdog. An we old do. English we sheep love dog. dogs. Yes. We do. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you know what a bearded looks like? They were like our babies. We've got children, but, you know, they were like <laughs> just the babies. And, and we'd yeah. lost them. And then you know what it's like when you lose. If you lose a dog, they're like losing a part of the family. Right. Oh, and, my gosh. And, it's just devastating. It is. It's devastating. And, and of course, their love's unconditional. And I kept saying to her, now, I can't go through that again. I said, it hurt mm. me so much when we lost the last two. But she knew, because she's genius. She knew that the dog, <laughs> another dog would heal me. Is that when Howard came into your life then? It is when Howard came yeah. into my life. She, she contacted a breeder without me knowing. And um, she was working up the office, just up in the garden. And she sent me um, a load of pictures of the pups, which the breeder had. And she said, didn't she just sent it with a question mark, you know? <laughs> and uh, I and I went, oh, here we go. And then I just spotted one pup that I thought I love him, and sent it back to the office. And I said, which one do you like? And she said, oh, I don't know. She said, oh, I quite like the one top right. And I said, well, that's the same one. I said, well, we've got to have him. Yeah. <laughs> and you know. she said, well, it. she said, I have made an appointment already. She said to go Aww. and see them. That was it. And we went down to see them, and someone said to me, whatever pup comes running up to you first as the pup you should have. And uh, strangely enough, it was Howard who had already picked in the picture. And where did the name, how come you named him Howard? Oh, well, we were on holiday in Galway just uh, about a year or two before all this. Um, It was pouring rain on the seafront in Galway. And we were walking along this path and uh, there was only me and her and it was quite a windy day. And this little spaniel came hurtling towards us. And uh, we could hear this voice in the distance shouting, Howard, will you come here now? Like this, really, <laughs> and he just stopped. He stopped at a halt and stared at us. And it was like he was just smiling, this dog, and then carried on running. And I said to Annette, that's it. If we ever get another dog, it's going to be called Howard. Oh, yeah. what a lovely story. Yeah, definitely. That's so sweet. It's nice to have a, a meaning behind it. And then we got Howard and, oh, dear, from the moment we've got him, he's made me smile every day. It was just the most genius masterstroke by Annette because he's helped heal me because I spent so much time with him. And uh, he's so loving. I mean, you know, I know dogs in general, you know, are loving things, but Howard's the softest boy. He's Aww. just the softest boy. And how old is Howard now? Howard will be two in three months. Oh, bless uh-huh. him. 
And is he a good boy? Was he easy to train and things? <laughs> well, he's a good boy. It's he is a, a challenge good boy. The beginning, isn't it? Yeah. He's a challenge. Uh-huh. The beardies, they test you a little bit. Uh-huh. But um, he, no, he is a good boy. He's a loving boy. You know, if, he, if you're sitting there, he'll just come and lay on your chest. That was all right when he was that big. Yeah. But now his head's that big. <laughs> so it's not quite... <laughs> So we got Howard and then Annette said, okay, let's go down to West Wittering, which is not far from us and the coast. And she said, we'll have a little break. You need a break. And we'll take Howard with us and we'll just relax for a week. I said, great. So we hired this house on the seafront. And um, I said to her, look, while we're here, I said, I think I'm going to write a book about cricket, about the charity team. I'll get everything down, all the funny stories. And I said, we'll sell it. And I said, then the money can go to charity for different things. Okay, so sat down, started writing it. Every time I started writing something, Howard kept walking past me, mm-hmm. tapping my leg or doing something funny or throwing a toy on my lap. Mm-hmm. And I started writing little things about him because bearded collies have got quite big bottoms because of their fur, because they've right. got lots of fur. If they haven't, they're, they're not that big probably, but the fur makes their back sides look quite big. Yeah. So I would, write, I would write bum still or something. And then he would whistle when he yawns and I would write whistle down and stuff like that and all these funny yeah. things. And Annette picked it up and she said to me, oh, she said, what's this? And I said, oh, it's Howard keeps walking past and I keep thinking. She said, why don't you write a children's book? And I said, yeah, do you know what? I said, I think I will. I said, I've got a couple of ideas. I said, I'm thinking of because of the names and stuff. Wow, and that sounds like a, the serious mastermind yeah. behind all of this, Mark. Yes, oh, and, and everything, and everything. <laughs> Aww, She's, that's she, she rules. So um, I did. I, like walked, I walked in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I walked into the living room and uh, at the place, and uh, I sat there with my mobile phone, and I wrote the first book in about 40 minutes, I think. Wow. wow! Which we have this. No we way! Have, we have we've got it. We've right got here. it right here. Yeah, we read it. it. We read it last night just before bed. Did you? <laughs> we did. It's brilliant. It's, it's so... great to hear where the names have come from as well. Like, yeah, yes, it's great That's to where hear. they come from. Well, I was a bit worried about bum still because I thought it might <laughs> upset a few people, and I had to keep putting it to people. You know, I was going to the publishers and so I was going, "Look, are you sure you're okay with the word <laughs> bum still?" And they went, "Yeah." What are you worried about? I was going, well, you know, and I, and I said, King Runny Bottom, is that okay? You know, King Runny Bottom. But yeah, the yeah. kids will love that, won't yeah, they? Definitely. Kids love anything that sounds a little bit naughty or cheeky. Oh, yeah, I know, because uh, funny enough, someone sent me a lovely video through the other day of the little boy, and he was getting it, and uh, he was reading it, and she said, and what's that? Where is he from? And he was going, bum, bum, still. Because <laughs> he wasn't quite sure if he was going to get in trouble. It was so Aww. funny. That's how the first book came about. And, um, and then we were going to put it out on Amazon. Right. Well, and sorry, so you you had written the book and then you got the illustration. Did you get the illustrations done? The illustrations done, are amazing. The illustrations are also gorgeous. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Amazing. I went through three different illustrators because I, I wanted to get the illustrations just how I wanted. I wanted the book mm-hmm. to be A, hardback, and B, like the kind of old sort of books when you're a child growing up you had one or two books in your bedroom which you always turned to or would pick up every now and then and i wanted to be one that stood out so like the front cover like you say kind of stands out with yeah it it definitely does it's gorgeous the illustration amazing so that's what i wanted and so i so i contacted these illustrators and stuff and it was really horrible because sometimes i mean they were good some of them were really good and they sent back some pictures and i went i'm really sorry i said 
it's close. It's not quite for us. It's had not a clear work. vision. Yeah, yeah. I had a clear vision. Then this lady, whose name's Lynn Patterson, she, her and her husband Neil, they've got bearded collies, so they get it. Oh, they get perfect. it. So they came back, and the moment she sent me the front cover picture of Howard there, I was like, yeah, yes, that's Howard. it. So that was that. So we got the illustrator. We decided to go with Amazon. We were going through the process on the computer, putting the illustrations in. Annette was doing the, all the works to it because she's very good on the computer and everything. I just do the stories. You know, I say to her, I do the easy bit. You do all that difficult bit. And then she said to me, she said, there's a shop up the road that's just started doing wrapping paper, which you can design yourself. So she said, why don't you get some with Howard's picture on? We'll wrap one up and give it to the granddaughter as a present, the first one. Brilliant. Nice. Off I shoot up the road, walked into found this little office, which is just next to a tea shop. Walked in the door. I said, Oh, hello. I said, um, I've just come to get some wrapping paper. Um, you do design it, don't you? And this lady, like, she just stared at me and she went, I don't know where you've got that from. She said, No, we don't. <laughs> and I said, Sorry? She said, We don't do wrapping paper. I said, Oh, I'm really sorry. And I put my hand on the handle to go and she went, Why'd you ask? And I went, Oh, well, I've wrote this children's book. I said, It's about our dog. And I said, I want to get it wrapped up for our granddaughter. And she went, can you put a train in that book? And I said, sorry? She went, can you put a train in the book? She said, we're the biggest supplier of train books in the country. Uh, and I said, is this what? Middleton, she is this Middleton said, Press? Yes. So I did that. And uh, she, she said to me, you've got 24 hours. She said, bring one back. So I said, if I can put a sustainable story, I will. So then I put a story about a train. And it runs on recycled cooking oil, which comes in the next book. And um, went back in. I said, look, I've put this train in. Gave it to her. She said, okay, we'll, we'll have a look at it and we'll get back to you. And anyway, we didn't hear anything. And it got to the Tuesday the following week. We were publishing it on the Friday. And I got a phone call to say, could I go up the office? Walked up the office and there's all these people sitting around the table. And she said, this is a guy from Head of Publishing. He's come down from Birmingham to see you, Mark. And I said, oh, do you like the book? And he said, I love it. I want you to sign a six-foot contract with us. Wow. Oh, wow. What an amazing feeling. How did you feel in that, in that moment? That well, do you know what I did? Do you know what I said? This is a crazy thing, right? This is the maddest thing. I went, I went okay, I'll think about it. I'm all down. <laughs> Playing a hard bargain. To this day, I don't know why I said that. Were you and just nervous, in, do you think? Yes, I think it was nerves. And I, I walked in and I came back home and I walked in and Annette was on this table, fun enough, working on the computer because... and and. Uh, she said, you're right. And I sat down and I went, no, no, I don't think I am. And she said, why? I went, well, I've just been back up to that place. And so I took, you know, they asked me to come back. She said, yeah. I said, they had head of publishing. They had this guy, that guy, all sitting around this table. And I said, they want me to sign a six book deal. And uh, they promised me to, you know, we'll get it with Waterstones, WH Smith, blah, 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 Amazon. And she said, yeah, what did you say? I said, I said, I'd think about it. She said, well, you thought about it. Get back up there. <laughs> what did you run back literally i literally (laughs) ran back up and when i got just by the building i stopped because i was out of breath and i didn't want to walk in there go (laughs) yeah we'll go yeah and i literally walked back in and i went i've had a little chat with annette back (laughs) home she thinks it's a good idea what what nerves do to your body though don't you sometimes they're just uncontrollable and we do funny things but tells a good story doesn't it exactly that's just honestly how it went and it's amazing really and i'll be forever thankful for him to having faith in me you know 
breaking me off and saying that you know don't give it a go because they kept saying to me you know the guy from the publisher he said you've got something here he said there's something about it i like he said i like the whole idea of a, a, a mythical land which he travels around you know and he goes from one place to the other discovering different sort of sustainability or environmental problems well, I think that's yeah, what's that's what's so lovely about it is you've got your lovely relationship with Howard and the fact that it's come from somewhere. The sustainability side and all of it coming together, it is very unique in such a lovely yeah. way. And I wanted it to be a little bit old-fashioned sort of book of... Um, there's lots of books now for children, but I seem to think that if we put an evil character or someone who's nasty, it sort of makes it I've done that. I just wanted a sort of book of love and kindness and stuff, you know. Mm. And I wanted—I didn't—I don't—I didn't want any evil characters. I think the world needs a bit of love and kindness right now, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And how has the response been to Howard of Pawsland on his magical journey to Whistledown? Number one, how has how has it been? Oh, it's been crazy. It went crazy. I did a uh, an interview with Talk Radio, and that was done live uh, through their TV as well. So right. things went crazy that night after that <laughs> and then um i'd just done an interview with amanda holden and jamie feekston and it went bananas after that one <laughs> and then the book i think the book sold out on amazon within about an hour and a half amazing that's what you after mean. the interview with amanda holden and that yeah it was crazy which you know you start i mean for me in the beginning the, the idea of the book I don't know where I wanted it to go. I just wanted it to be something nice, really, that I got down, something something that we could forever look at and say, you know, Howard sort of helped heal me and that was due to Annette. But mm. it's got sort of, it's gone further than that. And I and I kind of did want to send a message to children as well. I didn't want to preach to children because it's for three to sort of seven-year-olds. I wanted to plant the seed in their mind so they ask questions, you know. I'm not a sustainability expert at all, mm. but I know the basics like most of us do, what we should be doing or what we can do a little bit Trying better. our best, yeah. yeah I think Trying it's our best. an important message to get over to kids from a younger age so, yes. they, so they understand, you know. Understand and ask the questions. Yeah. Yeah, we want yeah. children to be asking questions, you mm. know. Why is that? Why is that? Why, what happens if that then? So why do we use solar panels? Why, why do we overfish the waters? Why, is not some, why don't we take so many fish out? Uh, one of his books later on, he goes to Fishley Pool, you know, and they're, and they're fishing, but it's unsustainable because they're only catching one or two sort of fish where they mm. could be catching lots and lots. Have you written the next six already? The next, the next five, sorry. Four. The next four. Basic, you know, they've got to be cleared up. The next, the next one comes out in March anyway. Um, that's where he goes to Tasley Bud, where there's a, a problem at the gourmet capital of um, Paul's Land. Yeah, so. has, has that one been illustrated yet been illustrated oh, yet. I bet that's that one been illustrated. It, yeah it, you know what it's one of my favorite stories i've wrote so far of it just makes me smile that story Definitely. and there's always yeah. a bit of fun always a bit of fun and with howard dancing with the caribbean band and everything <laughs> that sounds like fun so obviously after this amazing response from the first book how do you feel in yourself for the next release I'm just like, I'm always now, I never thought I'd get like this, but now I'm quite on edge about how it'll be accepted, you know, because I think the first book, yeah, a bit, because I think the idea is, you know, if the first book goes okay, you hope that people will come back and buy the second book. Mm. And then, and the idea is that they get on board the journey around Porcelain then. They buy into the fact that, you know, this, this mythical land, you know, he's got an adventure in each part and then, and then they're on the journey. I mean, the feedback's good. You know, people come up to me now 
And, you know, when I'm, especially when I'm out at Howard and they say, oh, you're the guy with the dog that writes the books. <laughs> and I say, yeah. And then they go, oh, I brought one for my grandchild or I've got one for my daughter and she loves it. She never puts it down. Aww, so, and, and people say, it's beautiful. People send me messages, you know, with their children, with the book, going to bed at night, you know, reading their book. And it's amazing how you've turned such a negative part of your life into a positive. You know, you yeah. wouldn't have this part of your life without that. And it's it's quite amazing, really. So you should you should feel really proud and excited yeah. about the journey. Yeah. I am proud. I am really proud of it. I'm so proud when I look at it, you know, because I think it's done Howard's love justice. And more than that, it's probably done Annette's love justice, you know, because it was all down to her. She's mm-hmm. the star, really. Do you think now when you face challenges in your life, as you know, we inevitably all do at points, do you think through what you've been through having Howard, you know, writing these books and seeing such a positive change you can make, do you think you would deal with challenges differently? Have you got a better coping mechanism or just simply talking? Do you think you would be able to do that now? I think I would let things that used to bother me not bother me as much. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think you start putting priorities differently, you know. I think there's certain things I worried about before. I don't worry about certain certain things now, you know, even with like, I mean, we all need money and stuff to survive and stuff like that. But I think family, family come first and everything, you know, now and happiness within it, you know. You've seen kind of the bigger picture and, you know, what's important. Yeah, we we get lost in that bigger picture. And especially um, stuff like new cars and new this and new that, you know, all that's not that important. Your house more important. Your family's more important. You know, it's brief. This this journey would go on brief. What you go out with is your memories, right? You go out with your memories and those those, those should be beautiful memories. You know, so if you're going to leave this planet, leave it with good memories and leave other people with them too. That's lovely. For people that want to um, read the book, Mark, where can they find it? Yeah, you can get it on amazon.co.uk. Um, it should be back in stock by now. I know they're taking orders again now on there. You can go to Waterstones online and order it. You can go to WH Smith's online and order it. Or, of course, you can go to middletonpress.co.uk, who's the publisher, and now send it straight out. Yeah, that's well. what we got asked from. I think it came the next day. Yeah, right? it did. Yeah, yes, very, very quick. They're very good. They're very good. And um, I just hope people love it as much as I've enjoyed writing it. Oh, and, I'm um, sure they will. And feedback, feedback would be great too from people, you know. If you yeah. buy it and you like it, you know, just drop Middleton Press a line and say, do you know what, we really enjoyed it. Mm. The children enjoyed it. So that'd yeah. be lovely. Well, I think kids are the harshest critics. So if you're yeah. getting good responses from them, then you're on to a winner. Exactly. <laughs> They tell you straight. They do, don't they? Yeah. yeah. If there was a specific song that you would put on, if you're ever down, or if there's a song that just makes you happy, what would that be? Right. It would be The Joker and the Queen by Ed Sheeran. And that would be for Annette. Because uh, I was always the first to the party and last to leave, always the Joker. (laughs) <laughs> but Annette, Annette always put up with me and stuck by me and she's the queen really so oh. it'd be the Joker and the Queen by Ed Sheeran I'm not actually sure if I know that one no, we'll is be it new it on or... straight after this, it's, it's on his new album oh we friend. need to listen to that yeah oh you will after this interview won't you I know you yeah, will both definitely yeah yeah we'll check out 100% <laughs> yeah. one of the other things we'd like to ask Mark is there a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self yeah don't be afraid to express your feelings to people 
You know, don't be, don't be afraid to talk. That would be my advice. I think being open with your feelings is really important. A lot of us keep our feelings in because we, we kind of see that as a weakness sometimes, but it's not. And our last question for you is, is where would you like to see yourself in five years' time, whether that's with Howard of Pawsland <laughs> or in your, your own self? Where do you see yourself? Ooh, um, well, I would say <laughs> in Ireland, in a cottage with about four beardies, with me and Annette, and the children coming over with the grandchildren as well, and us running around down the beach and stuff and relaxing. Annette would say, far too wet over there, somewhere <laughs> nice and dry with a bit of sun, or maybe just the children all around our house every weekend because she's mad for the grandchildren and children. Aww. So, yeah, do you know, as we go back to what we said about financial stuff, happiness doesn't have to cost you anything. Little things in life, the free things, are the ones that can also make you smile. Very true. Yeah. What is it about Ireland, Mark? I love it. There's two places I would... Annette always laughs because I said you could take me anywhere in the world and I've been fortunate to go to a lot of different places but West Wittering is my favourite for lots of reasons because we've had so many good times there and I just love it because there's just a beach with sand and I just love it. I love it down there and Ireland's another place if it wasn't for the fact it rains a lot. It does rain. I love Ireland. You'll have to do Howard Goes to the Beach one day or something. Yeah. I will. I get so many people now coming up to me, giving me suggestions about <laughs> where Howard I'll be emailing you with all my ideas. Honestly, yeah, yeah but that's right. <laughs> Keep them coming because, you know, sometimes you get a block and you go, well, where can we take him now? But, you know, one of my best friends was out with me the other day, you know, and, he, and he's an older guy and we're sitting there having a coffee and he, and he didn't say anything from me. And then all of a sudden he went, oh, I think Howard should go to space. There's a lot of junk in space. <laughs> and I was like... Yeah. You know what you just said, Derek? It's a children's book. He went, yeah, but I was thinking about it last night. And my you get wife hooked. Said, yeah. 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 Oh, that's nice. Oh, oh. We're looking forward to seeing Howard's um, journey. Through. Oh, that's very kind of you. Very kind of you. And thanks for having me on. That's really kind of you. Thank no, you so much for, for chatting with, with us. It's yeah, really fascinating story you've got. And we're just so happy that you know it's all worked out for you and you yeah. found this great little outlet. It's just amazing. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks ever so much. Thank you very, very much, Mark, for sharing your story. We really do appreciate your openness. We do. These sorts of topics can be really hard to discuss, as Mark has mentioned. So it's amazing that you're just willing to speak out so honestly now. I'm sure you'll be inspiring lots of people. And now, of course, children as well with your fabulous book. Don't forget to check out Mark's book if you have any kiddies in your life. You can find it at all the places he mentioned, such as Amazon or online at WH Smith's, Waterstones or Middleton Press. We'll be back next Monday with a Scottish superstar. Until then, have an absolutely... Lovely. Why do we always end the episode in an Australian accent? <laughs> it's very bizarre. Start. Let's finish it. Very British. Have an absolutely... Lovely wig. There we are. <laughs> a cup of tea and a scary. <laughs>